I want to make this run at the state fair something that touches on some of the key elements of what this fair is about. And part of that is the ag industry, the, the dairy farmers, all the animals that are out here. It's, it's a fantastic way to kind of see what Wisconsin is about. So joining us in studio, Brian Reisiger, President and Chief Content Officer, Platform Communications. Welcome. Hey, Steve. Let me turn your mic on here. I think you are... How about that? That's good. There we yeah, are. It it's good to be with you. They usually only let me eat cream puffs and drink beer at the fair, so my <laughs> responsibility level is much higher today. So you, And you can still do those two things. Yeah, absolutely, after. So one of the reasons I want to get you on is because you are fourth generation, which is not insignificant, family farmer in Wisconsin. And I wanted, along with Sandy, to talk about some of the realities of that reality, of being somebody that's so key, so critical to the su success, and has been, for generations in this state. Where are we at right now? Talk about some of the big picture stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of pride in the Wisconsin dairy industry, and well, there should be, and it's tough. So we're proud, but it's it's battered. You know, there's been a lot of challenges. Um, there's been a lot of farms that have disappeared. Um, there's still a lot of farms here. It defines our identity. It still drives a lot of our economy. There's a lot of families that used to be farm families that aren't anymore, and that's a that's a you know reflection of economic hardship, cultural hardship. So I think it's important to be honest about that. But man, when you're here at the fair today and you see all these kids out there with animals and you see really the future of agriculture, you know it's still bright. In my case. My great-grandfather came over, started our farm after coming over from Bavaria. My grandpa, my dad took it over after that. My sister's now taking over from my dad. They throw me in a tractor now and again, um, but I'm just happy to be able to write about it and be able to experience it and talk about it. So what are some of the big challenges that Wisconsin farmers, those dairy farmers, are facing? It's big picture and it's personal. And when I say big picture, I mean the economic trends. You've got input prices like seed and fertilizer way outpacing the dairy, the milk price over time. What they're putting out is not what they're getting back. Exactly, exactly. So being profitable in that instance is difficult. Then you got globalization, you got consolidation, there's opportunity there, but they're also putting a squeeze on farmers. Changes in technology that used to help small farms and now mainly help larger farms get scaled. Those are the big picture things. The personal part of it is the tragedies that often are accompanied by a farm that goes under. So it could be a lost crop, sick animals, somebody gets hurt an accident. It could be a fire in our case. You know, we had a fire not too long ago that when we made it through and it was kind of a harrowing story, but if it had done more damage, you know, in the middle of a precarious economic situation like that, that's what happens when a farm fails. Do you think the resources do we provide as a states, either through the legislature or, or, or other avenues, private organizations, the resources that Wisconsin farmers, because last time I checked, it still says America's dairy land on the license plate. Do they have the resources they need to succeed in, in the current climate? The short answer is no. The slightly longer answer is where do the resources come from, where do the answers come from, and the answer is they come from so many places that it can feel like it's nobody's responsibility sometimes. We need to have more private sector innovation on the farm, trying different crops, trying different products, things like that. We need to have technology, which is a function of private sector, government, academia, shifting toward trying to help small farms find scale need awareness from consumers. There's a lot of things that need to happen so that we can have an industry that has the kind of dynamic power it once did. Is there a battle between the individual family farms and the big conglomerates? The I'm, I'm so glad you asked that. You know, when I was growing up, I remember my dad, you know, we used to we used to kind of piss and moan about the farm down the street that was getting bigger. <laughs> and I'll be honest about that, we did. And, you know, you get they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's frustrating because you want to have small and medium-sized family farms. But now when I talk to my dad about it, you know, we look around and we're glad they're out there too. I mean, they're carrying on a way of life that, you know, maybe isn't scalable for some of the smaller guys. And we're glad, and a lot of our farms, including the big farms, are family farms. 
So I'd say that there's tension in that we would love to be able to have large, medium, and small farms all competing in different ways, providing different types of products, different niches, um, and not so lopsided. But, man, you know, you need, you need operations that can compete in this environment as well. So over time, let's, let's say the last 50 years, give me, an, uh, give me a, a sense of where the number has gone when, it, when, it, when we're talking about family farms in Wisconsin. Is yeah. it 25%, 50% less? What is it? Most recently in the last decade, Wisconsin lost 8% of its farms, and that's higher than the 5% national average. Now, when you stack that up decade after decade, the reality is that it's, it's gargantuan. Um, Wisconsin, the, the country, I should say, has lost 85% of its dairy farms, and Wisconsin is a big portion of that. There's other places, but it's a big portion of that. So that's really hard. Is it survivable? I mean, a lot of people wonder, because I've talked to so many dairy farmers out here, people in the ag industry, and said the hours are long. A lot of the, the, the next generations aren't sticking around to work on the farms. They do when they're younger, but then they kind of go off and do their own thing. A lot of them are not returning. Some do. Is it survivable? Can we continue to maintain that family farmer identity that we've had for so long? I think we can, and I want to emphasize that because my wife jokes and me. I, I write far, sad farm boy stuff, and I gotta be, we got to be careful when we look at these issues. You've got to stare them in the face, but there's also so much there. The resilience that farm families have, the economic opportunities that can be so much more varied than we maybe realize they can be, it's there. It's still very strong. The reality is there's a lot of challenges, and there's a lot of things that need to be done differently to overcome them. Brian Reisinger joining us. We're talking about family farms. He's fourth generation. I want to talk about some of the solutions. I know that you shared some information with us on how we fix this problem. And I'll say it again. We are America's dairy land, and there's a lot of dairy farmers in the state. That is something that is that connection not only to our identity, but also to this Wisconsin State Fair. We'll continue the conversation with Brian and Sandy and Steve after this from the Bank 5-9 Studios at the Wisconsin State Fair. We are live in the studio with our, our friend, our fourth-generation farm family guy, Brian Reisinger, also from Platform Communications, president and chief content officer. A lot of folks saying, stopping by at the Bank 5-9 studios and saying hi. Welcome. Have fun at the fair. So I always, I don't want you to present problems, nor do you. You have ideas for solutions, and for folks who are online or the actual paper subscribers, the Market Journal Sentinel, you write a quarterly piece on these issues, and you offer solutions, which is something I'm a big fan of. Not just complaints, action plan to fix. Let's talk about some of those. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple categories. One is you get into innovation. There are things that so many farms, small, medium, and otherwise, are doing to innovate. The big farms, they're finding all kinds of efficiencies. We need them to do that. Small farms finding niches with crowd products that they can sell new crops that kind of thing um, finding a way to change your model our farm used to milk cows now we supply heifers to dairy farms we raise heifers for other farms and we do a variety of things but trying to find different ways that you can kind of fit into that industry is important um, related to innovation is technology and technology for a long time there was a lot of technology that made it so that a 50 cow dairy farm could find a way to compete and then in the 70s and 80s, a lot of technology shifted toward the really big precision egg, which is important. You know, think about the, the tractor that covers like, you know, a million rows in the field. You need that. But we also need technology that helps small farms be able to get scale, and that doesn't work for them. But there's things like uh, self-driving vehicles that will spray fields that are potentially going to be affordable enough that farms of all sizes can afford them. So there's new efficiency for a small farm that kind of thing that hasn't happened for the last couple decades. That is a really interesting evolution of technology. We hear a lot about AI and we hear about the laughability of self-driving cars as we're experimenting with them and crashing into things and 
But this is an interesting driverless application that I had never thought of before. I'll tell you what, I see those taxis that have like the sensors on top and it's like driverless and I'm terrified of that. I'm a lot less afraid of a small little manageable vehicle going down a measured part of a field that's run by our common sense farmers. In a, you're in a rural area for the most part. That's right. Well, so that's I mean, right. you can get all worked up about stuff. The other one that you mentioned in your piece was policy. I've been a critic in a state, again, that you know, America's Dairyland, the legislature and leaders have not done enough, and you can disagree if you want, for our small farms and our folks who are fourth, fifth generation farmers. I don't think they've done enough. The big picture is we've got to get the farm bill right, which is a federal thing, getting the programs like the insurance programs that give support. That's an example of something that the right and the left can agree upon because an insurance program, you know, people pay into it optionally, and then when the price hits a certain amount, they get a payout. That's something that people who are a little skeptical of government can agree on, and also people who want to see government do something can agree on. We need to find more solutions like that federally and on the state level. So I would agree in that sense. I do think that we need to get a little bit past the idea of government solving too much of the problem There's, that is a part of it. But we also need private sector innovation. We also need people to understand where their food comes from. All these different pieces, just so that people aren't waiting for someone in Madison to solve their problem. It's, it's all of it. Has the small family farms, have they been willing to work with the legislature, with some of the lead, local leaders, you know, mayors and, and you know, village presidents and town you know, chairmen and all, all those folks, have they been willing to step, and, step up and say, we need that help? I think that's actually something that is something that there are some farmers who do that, and farms have long been very organized, um, you know, different industry, trade organizations, things like that. But a lot of farmers don't like to look up and say they need help. It's get out there, get the chores done, keep your head down. And that's a mentality that, man, there's a lot of resilience there and something to be proud of. But it also means that sometimes, you know, it's not natural for a farmer to look up and say, hey, I need help here. Something needs to change. That's the big one for me. And we're going to take a break here. I want to get to some of the, the concerns because alcohol is out there, yeah. drug use, and you know, in, in the really unfortunate cases, suicides. So I want to talk about, don't want to sugarcoat anything. Brian Reisinger joining us live from the Bank 5-9 studios along with Sandy and Steve. You're listening, of course, to WTMJ Now. We are joined in the studio by my friend Brian Reisinger, Sandy alongside as well. Live from the Bank 5-9 Studios at the Wisconsin State Fair. It's a gorgeous day. Come on out, say hi. I just met our, one of our famous listeners slash callers, Rome, came out and said hi. So I went. I jumped out during the break, and I, I love that. It was good to see you get to visit with him. And yes. he showed up in his big, bright, colorful shirt. Yeah. And <laughs> you it, can't miss him. Everybody's been smiles and waves so far. I like it. It's a very happy first day vibe. All right, we're going to shift gears a little bit because we cannot talk about the, the ag industry, farmers, family farms with some some of the sad stuff and obviously alcoholism this not just farmers the, the entire world faces this drug use and in some cases suicide and, and just depression overall so let's let's talk a little bit about that impact on the, the the farmers of this state absolutely well there's an outstanding organization called the farmer angel network that started in my home county of sauk county because of of a farmer who committed suicide so there are resources out there there's there's hope to this but man there's a lot of difficulty and i think a lot of where this comes from is when you've got farms that are failing you know farmers are out there they're not just fighting for their job it's their home it's their community it's their way of life, it's their heritage, many times, generations upon generations. And the amount of that pressure, when you're putting your head down and trying to get the job done and not raising your hand and saying, I need help, is immense. So it's really important that people get help. You told a story in one of your most recent pieces, I think it was July, early July, in the Journal Sentinel, uh, and you do a quarterly piece for them, sort of a look at what's happening in our state, about your buddy Kyle. 
Tell the story. Yeah, so my buddy Kyle, my best friend from back home, we were best men in each other's weddings. He's a cop back in Sauk County, and so that's a chance. I love I love writing about my dad and sister who are farmers and, and all, the, all the people back home, and writing about um, a cop who's there protecting our home where we're from, it was really meaningful. So we did a bunch of ride-alongs. We did midnight ride-alongs, and he's a canine officer, so he gets called out to investigations, and almost, I mean, a massive amount of what he does is um, drug investigations. And the reality is that we have a very serious rural drug crisis, and it, it began back in the day with, you know, marijuana and, and, and a little bit of cocaine, and, and it moved into much more serious stuff. And we've got a meth problem, we've got an increasing heroin problem, and then you've got fentanyl that's mixing in with all that. And Sauk County, um, the sheriff's department sees like 8,000 grams in 2022. It's more than they have done in any of the past five years. And so it's a, it's a real challenge. And the thing about the rural drug crisis that's different than the drug crisis in other parts of the state or the country is it's so much less talked about. So it's more tangled up. We have a, less of an understanding of it. I think people used to think it didn't exist. Now we know it exists, but we don't understand it. It's kind of in the dark of night. Yeah, unfortunately, that hits not just the, the farmers, but all aspects of our of our country and our state. And and you know, there's no easy answers on this stuff. I mean, as somebody who's kind of in and around the the farm communities and a lot of other areas, politics as well, do you get the sense that we're we're figuring things out? Are we still kind of struggling to to get a, a foothold and on on the future and how we resolve some of these issues? I think that with the rural drug crisis, we're still struggling to get a foothold, and I hate to say it. I, w I will say that I think that um, the drug crisis that exists in rural communities, I think it's, I think it's people from all walks of life. Um, I see a little bit less of drugs specifically with farm families, although it's, although it's with everybody. But a lot of it is with people who don't have economic hope for one reason or another. And that might be because of jobs that disappeared because they got out of school and there weren't very good prospects for them. So there's all kinds of, there's, there's the economy, there's education, all that stuff that's related to opportunity to keep people from doing this. But the biggest thing that we don't have figured out yet in rural areas is how to do treatment. Because one, in rural areas, you don't talk about it as much. Now, that's true in suburban areas. People don't like to talk about it in a beautiful suburban community, but there's more resources. There's more money. Um, and so in a rural area, it's kind of uniquely deprived of, of discussion about these issues and resources. And we've got to figure out treatment. Yeah, how do we do that when, when you're talking about areas that don't have medical facilities to begin with? Well, often if you have an emergency, you're traveling 30 minutes away or 30 miles away. How do you easily resolve that. There's some really good innovations. Obviously, we want to make sure that government is prioritizing their money and putting it toward things where they're spending the taxpayer dollars wisely. That's part of this. Um, and there needs to be good drug enforcement that separates dealing with the drug dealers and, and taking that seriously from helping people who are in need and, and, and just have a disorder that they need help getting over. But the other parts of this, there's so much interesting innovation. Drug courts are a huge innovation. Counties that don't have a drug court, if they look at that and they find a way to divert people who really what they have is a drug problem rather than a crime problem, that's huge. There's also a lot of nonprofits out there that do work. They might contract with county governments or they might provide it to another private sector service where they do what's called um, peer interventions. And they have people who are in recovery who have dealt with drug problems and they'll actually respond to incidents. When you get let out of jail after you have been uh, arrested, you're on your own at like four in the morning sometimes. Mm -hmm. These people respond in those instances. My friend Brian Reisinger, President and Chief Content Officer platform platform communications, but also a, I'll call you a subject matter expert on, on family farms, fourth generation. It, it is that link to the Wisconsin State Fair that I think a lot of us sometimes forget about. Always love talking to you, and uh, nice to be able to sit down face-to-face -face for, for, the I think, the first time, right? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, we've kind of worked on things together, but not 
in the same place. Yeah, I've, I've haunted you here. So I'm <laughs> I wouldn't use that person. term. Why do you pick haunts? <laughs> and you can see his great work along with my old pal Kristen Bry on JS Online. You do a quarterly or... That's right. We do a monthly debate show where we That's talk right. about politics and policy and what's going on, and we try to scramble the lines and uh, surprise each other and, and our, our watchers now and then. That's one of the biggest reasons why I'm a fan of yours, because you, like me, think there's opportunity, even amidst all the political chaos in this world. Thanks for taking the time to sit with us. Appreciate having me down.